This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Pearl Auto. Pearl Auto makes wireless rear view cameras that retrofit to any car and sync with your smartphone so you can drive safer. Check it out at pearlauto.com slash fool and get free two-day shipping. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. And you are also the advisor on Motley Fool's Rule Your Retirement newsletter. It is so true. Hello, Allison. Hello. So, talking to your friends and family about money can be weird. Whether you want to share a love of investing or help them avoid the same pitfalls that tripped you up, it can be awkward. So, today, Kimberly Palmer, personal finance expert and author of many fine leather-bound books, joins us to talk about how a well-crafted letter can help your loved ones learn from your experiences with money. We'll also answer your question about what to do if your employer doesn't match 401k contributions and play a little TV pundit Mad Libs. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. It's time for Answers, Answers. And today's question comes from Justin. He writes, I was pondering my current employer's retirement plan, being that they do not match contributions, would I be better off taking the money and putting it to work in my Roth IRA? If I do this, would I be missing out on any benefits of having it in my company's plan? Love you guys. Well, we love you too, Justin. And I think you're on the right track. So I think, yes, you should first contribute to your Roth IRA. And here's why. IRAs have advantages that 401ks don't. It starts, first of all, with fees. The average 401k has some fees associated with it. On average, it's about 1%. And that may not sound like much, but when you compound that over someone's career, it could cut about 20% off of your retirement nest egg. Is that a fee on top of, if you're investing in a mutual fund through your 401k, it's a fee on top of That is a great question. It includes the mutual funds, but also includes administrative fees, bookkeeping fees, Every year, a plan has to be tested to make sure it's not uh, disproportionately benefiting the higher income folks at the company. Every year, it has to be audited by an outside auditor. All that costs money. A lot of companies, like The Motley Fool, will cover those costs, but many others will pass those costs onto the employees, so you have to pay for that. You don't have to worry about that with your IRA. You might have to pay an annual account fee of like 10 bucks, but that's it. Okay, so but for a- Justin... Roth IRA. Roth IRA. And the other benefit of having an IRA over your 401k, your 401k is a selection of like 10 to 20 mutual funds that have been picked sometimes by people who are really good at what they do. Some people, sometimes the funds are not so great, but you're kind of stuck with that. Some plans do have a side brokerage account that allow you to pick other things, but most don't. Whereas if you open an IRA, you can invest in just about anything you want. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. You have a lot more choices with the IRA. Uh, and with the Roth IRA, too, the, another advantage over a 401k is you can have early access to the money if you need it. And of course, it's retirement money. Ideally, you leave it alone. But if you need the money before age 59 and a half, with the Roth IRA, you can get the contributions out early, tax and penalty free if you need it. Also, with IRAs, you can get money out and avoid the 10% penalty for early withdrawals in certain situations like a first time home purchase, like qualified higher education expenses. So you have a little bit more flexibility with getting the money with an IRA. Now, you also ask, are you missing out on anything by participating in the company's plan? And the, and the 401ks do have some advantages, number one being a higher contribution limit. You can contribute in this, this year, $18,000, $24,000 if you're 50 or older. Contribution limit on an IRA is only $5,500 or $6,500 if you're older. So, ideally, you would be sa- saving more than the $6,500 or Roth IRA, so you could put that in the 401k. Also, with 401ks, if you need the money, you can borrow the money. We've talked about this before. It generally has a lower interest rate than many other types of loans. Not always the best thing for people to do, but it is available. 
you can't borrow money from an IRA. So the foolish bottom line on this is, yes, I think your money should first go to the IRA, but chances are you're going to need to save more than that to retire. You should be aiming for 10%, probably 15% of your income. So max out the IRA, and then any more money you want to save, go ahead and put it in the 401k. Thanks to our sponsor for supporting the show and for making roads safer. Pearl Auto has created a rear view camera that attaches to any license plate and works with your smartphone. It installs in minutes, it'll alert you if you're about to back into something, and it delivers a clear picture day or night. And we actually got to try it out earlier today. We did. Yep. What'd you think? It was good. It was good. I actually tried the backing up signal thing. And there was a metro van behind us, and I just kept backing up, backing up, backing up. I waited eventually until he left, but it worked. I got pretty close to a wall, and then went beep, beep, beep. I'm yeah. Like, okay. It works. <laughs> it works. So if you're like me and you own a car that has neither bells nor whistles, and you also have a toddler or two running recklessly around, Pearl Auto has a special offer just for you. Go to pearlauto.com/fool to get free two-day shipping. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. Kimberly Palmer joins us today. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So you and I first met many years ago, I think it's safe to say, when you were the senior money, senior money, senior money editor at US News and World Report. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, a lot has changed since then. Kids, we're both at different places. Uh, and you've written a few books. I have. <laughs> you got prolific. You got very prolific. I didn't write a single book. So in the last like I don't know ten years that we've known each other, you've managed to write two, two, three, four, three, three, three books, and have two kids. And I've only yeah. managed to have like a kid and uh, a book binge watch all of Breaking Bad. Like that's literally all I've accomplished in the last ten years. There's a book in there somewhere. I'm confident. Yeah, Kim's book. <laughs> I read Kimberly's book. So your most recent book is Smart Mom, Rich Mom. Uh, thank you for coming into the studio thank today. Thank you so much for having me. So why we brought you here is because we receive a lot of letters from listeners asking for advice on how to get their loved ones interested in money. Um, sometimes they say, I had them listen to your show, and they thought it was all right. Which always <laughs> <laughs> makes us feel good. It hurts a little. <laughs> but it's a good reminder of how uh, if you aren't interested in money, it's hard to, you know, it's if, if you're not interested in money, it can be very hard to get interested in managing it. Uh, I mean, your health and your money are arguably the two most important things that right. lead to your happiness, but so many of us avoid thinking about them. Why do you think that is? I mean, it can seem kind of boring to talk about. And also, we're afraid of making mistakes. I mean, I, I already feel like I've made a ton of mistakes with my own kids with money, so with, with a lot of things, but also money. So it's just hard to talk about. It's so complicated. and It's hard to make it fun and exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, we like to talk about here, speaking of fun and exciting, writing a letter called um, A Letter from Your Dead Spouse. Yes, in this case, letter from your dead husband. But yeah, well, it, yeah. In my case, I would be writing the letter from right. And um, bro, talk about a little bit about what it is. So this was actually an idea from a longtime subscriber to my early retirement service, and basically, he handles most of the money in the household. Um, his kids are grown, but he still has his wife, and actually, his mother-in-law has been, have been living with them for decades as well. So what he does is every year he updates this letter. It says if something happens to me. This is what you need to do. This is where all the accounts are. This is where the insurance policies are. Go to this person for advice. Don't go to this person for advice. So it's basically a letter that his wife is supposed to open 
if something were to happen to right. him. But the letter that you're here to talk about <laughs> is much more inspiring um, and meant to be read over and over again. And you talk about it in your in your most recent book, The Importance for Moms or Dads or Grandparents to write a letter to your grandkids about their own relationship with money. And you actually got this idea from your mom? From my mom, yeah, she did this for us. So I have two younger sisters. When we were, I was about 22, and she wrote us a letter, a really long letter, like three pages long, all about the mistakes she and my dad made with money, um, like trusting the wrong people, losing a ton of money, having no emergency fund, and also what she did right, their values and how they started saving as soon as they got their first job. So it kind of just made me think about it. I mean, I was in my early 20s, so not really doing much saving at all yet, um, or even thinking about money. But it got me, it totally got me thinking about it. And I actually, within a few years, started saving more and just, it kind of just got my brain thinking about it. And now when I am actually, you know, grown up and having to make bigger money decisions, I I reread it um, a few years ago and it's so helpful. And also just knowing her values and what they went through and the stories. I mean, it was so much more interesting to read about a story of her, um, you know, making a bad choice than her just telling me, you know, don't do this. Right. Well, it goes back to your original point about how people don't like to talk about money because they don't, you know, because of making mistakes. And but she was very honest with you about the mistakes she made, which I yes. guess made you feel pretty okay. Yeah, because yeah. I think our parents can seem so perfect. Um, it can seem like they can't make mistakes, or you know, it just kind of it made me feel like it was okay to ask her. Um, to tell her when I made a money mistake or get advice or just kind of just open up that conversation and made it okay to talk about all this stuff. So it just put it on the table. Yeah. So you actually created for your book a handy dandy little template for writing a letter. So if you're up for it, I thought we could kind of go through it point yeah. by point and you could kind of fill, fill, help people kind of fill in the blanks. And they can get this template um, also in your book. So, yes. so if, if we blow through this too quickly, go by Smart Mom, Rich Mom, even if you're not a mom. Um, it is, I'll just do a plug for the book right now. Uh, it's a really, really great book for women. Thank you. But it's, anyone can get something out of it. There's tons of really great checklists in there, and I think it's got great bite-sized lessons, and I, I enjoyed reading Thank it. Thank you so. so much. All right, so there we go. All right, let's get into your letter. So first off, you want to explain why you're writing the letter. Yeah, so maybe something happened, or you realized that you needed to share, you, you, you didn't want to forget to tell your child something or teach them something. Um, and so, I mean, for my mom, it was actually a story of when my parents got in a car accident right before I was born and they literally had like $50 in the bank at the time. And it was her, her message to me was like, don't let this happen to you. You need an emergency fund because you never know, you know, what's going to happen. So that was how she started her letter and it got my attention. Right. You said, you said, um, in, in your template, you say, let me start by telling you about a financial challenge of yes. my own. And was that, that was her financial her challenge? Her challenge was, yeah, getting in a car accident with no money in the bank. And yeah, just it was really hard to handle a situation like that when you don't have an emergency fund. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next point you want to cover is one of the best money decisions I made, which continues to contribute to our family's financial security today was. Yeah. So this, I'll always remember this is what my mom told me too. So as soon as she and my dad started um, working, and they had, you know, relatively modest paying jobs. They made such an effort to save a quarter of their income and that let them eventually buy their first house. So it got me in the mindset when I got my first job. Oh, you know, even though money's tight, I should still try to save a good portion of it. 
Right. And I, I, that, that's, a, that's a nice one to get to the point of how they had to work hard for yeah. the house and it wasn't something that they just had some money lying around exactly. and, and threw at them. Right. Okay. And quarter, quarter of an income is, is a lot. It's a lot. But, but when you see, when you know that your parents were able to do it, it does make you feel a little bit, well, if they did it, I should be able to find yeah. some way to do it. If not, if not that much, at least close to it. Right. It sets the bar and just makes you think about it. Yeah. All right. The next uh, point you want to tackle is our choices have helped our family achieve blank and pay for blank. Yeah. So it might be things like for us, it was for our parents buying a house, um, starting to save for college for us. So, I mean, it's also a chance to kind of talk about your values if you value education. And um, it, it got that conversation going too. I want you to save for the future. My mom wanted us to set up a retirement account even in our 20s, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You get to bring up a good point about how money decisions are value are decisions about your values, and you're communicating a lot about your values with what your parent your parents communicated a lot about what they valued by what they spent money on, and yeah. we all do that. Yeah. Uh, all right, and finally, well, maybe not finally. Next next up, you uh, have for the template. I encourage you to develop these financial habits as you get older. How do you do this uh, without sounding a little too preachy? I know it's so hard. <laughs> I think you're gonna sound preachy. Like this is like kind of okay. <laughs> Maybe you caveat it yeah. with, and I'm gonna sound a little preachy. You're the mom. mom. Oh, you're the mom and the dad. The mom, the dad, and the preacher. They can get away with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's things like. Um, Think before you make big splurge decisions. Set up an automatic savings account so you are putting money away each month. Um, set up your long-term investments account. My mom was so big, is so big about um, retirement and investment saving or as soon as you can. So don't delay that. Do it as soon as possible. So those are the kinds of things she was getting us to think about there. She also mentioned um, think about your insurance and like your rainy day situation. So you might want to think about life insurance, disability insurance, all that stuff. So she kind of put that on the table, which was not on my radar in my 20s at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so then we have closing the letter with some sort of kind and loving words yes. about providing future support. Yeah, so you know, maybe not financially, but in some way, you know, you'll always be there for your kids. So you're there to talk about this stuff. How did your mom actually give you this letter? Did she like present it to you on like a velvet pillow and say, here, here my darlings, this is my best advice? Or? I'm so glad she didn't do that because I probably would have lost it. Like, she, mom. Yeah. No, she actually um, emailed, I mean, it was like, you know, 15 something years ago, but it was um, email existed. So yeah. she actually, she wrote it in a Word document and emailed it to us. And that's the only way it stuck around. Like I still have it. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. What do you think is the best age to target for writing a letter like this. Uh, some of our listeners might be parents, they might be grandparents. Yes. Um, when do you think their target audience is? <laughs> well, more than an age, because I think it could be teenagers, 20-somethings, even much older. I think it's about getting you at a life transition, because that's when you're thinking about okay. it. So for me, it was I was about to graduate from college. Maybe it's when you're about to get married or have a baby. Mm-hmm. These big life transitions kind of make you more open to having these talks, I think. So that could be a good moment to do it. What can our listeners, our parents and grandparents out there, do to instill their younger kids with a value from money, like younger than yeah. 18, and because for some of them, they're gonna have younger kids. Right, so I think it's all about modeling because our kids are watching us so, so closely and basically copying what we're doing even if they deny it when they're teenagers. So um, I noticed, I, so for example, for me, I um, I was making a huge mistake of like not carrying my wallet around when we went out to dinner as a family or did a family activity. I mean, my wallet is hefty, so it's like I don't want it in my pocket. So I just let my husband pay for everything. And of course my daughter was like, oh, mommy doesn't have money. Only daddy can pay for <laughs> oh, that. 
Okay. So she like I'm my point is that they copy and see things even if we don't mean them to or we don't intend them to. So make sure they see you making these decisions, being empowered and paying for things and you know, giving them insight into the choices you're making can help with all that. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh do you have any closing questions before So your kids are younger. Yes. Have you thought about what you're going to do in terms of chores, allowance, and that type of thing? Definitely. We started allowance with my six-year-old, so um, it's a small amount. Like we give her a quarter every weekend, and it's like just getting her to think about, okay, saving it. And now when she wants something, I say, well, how much money do you have? And you know, some of their wants actually are like $10 or less, so it can work, but just getting them thinking about it. So yeah. Is it tied to a chore? No. It's not? We do chores separately, um, not tied. Got it. We had Ron Lieber of the New York Times on our previous episode, and he, he believes that as well, that you don't tie allowance to chores. I'm not totally sold on it yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah? I'm getting there. Yeah. Do you we'll do separate, separate allowance for chores or chores? So like... chores are separate, so they have things they're expected to do, yeah. um, but it's not mon- money related. Yeah. yeah. Just I part think... of being in the family. And, yeah. yeah. Pitching yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Maybe 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 you're gonna change your mind about it. We'll see. Know. We'll see. We'll see what the Brocamp kids <laughs> think about that. All right, Kimberly, this has been super helpful. Thank you so much for sharing your story um, with your letter that your mom wrote you. It's so it's wonderful that she wrote you this one letter, and then you get to share the idea with like the world. Yay! Is that great? I Don't love you it. feel like you're having such an impact? Is I would super if I were you. But then again, maybe that's just another day in the life of Kimberly Palmer. <laughs> Going out there, doing stuff, writing books, making it happen. I do stuff too. I do. I have a podcast. <laughs> Kimberly has agreed to stick around and help us play a game we're calling Mad Lib the News. Yay. (laughs) So I am blatantly stealing this from Barry Ritholtz. He wrote it for the Washington Post. Basically, he mused that every financial news interview is the same script with just just different words plugged in by the on-camera expert. So you wrote a template to help people talk to their kids about money, and he wrote a template for expounding on the economy. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you to give me a list of verbs and nouns and adjectives, and then we're going to plug them into the script and see what our economy looks like. You ready? No pressure. Okay. All right. I need a verb. Run. Uh, I need an adjective. Yellow. Okay. I need an adjective. Hot. Uh, I need a noun. Stone. I need a gerund, and that's the a verb with ing, but it's acting as a noun. Yeah, what is this, Doctor Brocamp? This is true. Yeah. Skipping. Skipping. Okay, I like that. Uh, a verb. Yell. Adverb. Swimmingly. Ooh, I think you're going to be a big optimist on the economy. <laughs> An interjection. Oh no. <laughs> okay, a noun. Table. And a noun. Orange juice. Okay. A company? Tesla. And a number? 10. Okay. All right. Here we, here we go. go. Are you ready? This we, is just, we just clicked on CNBC. Here's the, 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 the aftermarket news. The economic outlook, according to Kimberly Palmer, <laughs> as Mad Libbed. Our view is that the economy in the U.S. continues to run, and we foresee <laughs> yellow problems overseas. China is hot, and that has ramifications for the Pacific Rim's stone. Greece is skipping in Europe. 
but many sectors of the U.S. economy yell swimmingly. The valuation issue continues to be, oh no! And that means table for investors. Maybe a noun was not the right option there. Under these conditions, the sector most likely to benefit from this is orange juice. The company best positioned to take advantage of this is Tesla. Thus, we believe the Dow will be at 10 next year. Sell. Sell. I don't know. It started so positive. Like Everything was great. And then, oh, the Dow is going to be at 10. So, anyway, of course, the lesson here is that... uh, I don't know. What's the lesson here, bro? Give us a lesson. The lesson is that the financial news is filled with people trying to explain why the market or the economy did something and make a prediction about what it's going to do. And most of it is just stuff you don't really know. They're making stuff up, and you just change out the words. It's the same thing every day. It's mostly furfy. Furfy, yes. Which is, is that an adjective? (laughs) We learned furfy in last week's episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's an Australian slang. I don't know that one. Yeah, it means uh, basically a story that maybe isn't quite all accurate and true. Oh, I like it. Furfy. Uh, All right, well, Kimberly, thank you again for joining us, and we would love to have you back. Thanks for having me. Before we go, I have a few postcard senders to thank. Yay! So <laughs> that just gets me off my game when you make noises like that. Okay, someone from an LA Galaxy game uh, who didn't leave their name sent us a card. Also, Joseph sent one to Chris from Italy. He says he sent one to us too, but hmm, never saw it. And James sends a ni hao from Hong Kong. So thank you to everyone who keeps sending them in, even though I stopped asking for it. It makes me so happy. Thanks. It really does make her very happy. All right, that's the show. It's edited Mad Livingly by Rick Engdahl. You can reach us with comments or questions via email at answersatfool.com, or you can leave us a message on the phone by calling 866-MRS-FOOL. That's 866-677-3665. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Stay foolish, everybody.